Meeting Tom Cruise is a production of the Dan Patrick Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Hey, it's Jeff Meacham, and welcome back to Meeting Tom Cruise. And this is part two of our Eyes Wide Shut the Front Door deep dive. On this episode, you'll hear the second half of my discussion with Joel and Alec about the film, and also the second half of our interview with Vanessa Shaw, who played the role of Domino. If you haven't heard part one yet, you might want to go back to our last episode and check that out first. Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. He's the first actor to have six consecutive $100 million grossing films. He's shrouded in mystery, and yet to many is one of the nicest and hardest working people. We love Tom Cruise. We are inspired by Tom Cruise. And while we work in Hollywood, we've never actually met Tom Cruise. So we're going to talk to some people who have. We'll hear some great stories, and maybe, just maybe, one of them one day will lead us to the man himself so that we can have stories of our own. Our own stories of meeting Tom Cruise. All right, Joel, serious question. Do you like, is this one of your, where, where do you rank this in Cruz's performances? Alec really likes him in this. I want to hear your opinion before I give mine. Top five. Top. It's in my top five. It is. It's, uh, ooh, it's, it's not even close to the top five for me. It's in my top I think five. He's, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. You're asking me a top five performances. Performances, yes. No. But you're, you're asking me about his acting. I'm saying it's so, yeah. in, it's so internal. It's so cerebral. Yes, it's in my top five Tom Cruise performance. I think his performance in the opening party is pretty bad. I think it's bad. I don't think he got to see his dailies. I think he was doing a Kubrick bit in the beginning. And then I think he really started to find himself as an actor throughout the movie and got a lot more comfortable. Do you mean with the girls, with the models? I, I the whole the whole party sequence. I love Kubrick. I, he has weird because nothing happens by accident in a Kubrick movie. Yeah. It has been done 10, oh, 20, true. 30, 40, 50 times at the minimum. Some of the direction with Nicole Kidman, specifically when she gets drunk and when she gets high, she talks like yeah. this. And I, 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 they both did. They both did. Remember, he, he out of nowhere just got drunk. They make a cut. Kubrick makes a cut from a one moment and then they're dancing and he is hammered. I don't. Think and that, I hated that. I, I mean, I've seen them both play drunk in other movies and they don't. I, I don't believe those were exclusive Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman choices. I think they were directed that way intentionally. Sure. So and I know Stanley Kubrick had a reason for it. That's, you know, way more justified than I can find. But I guess so. But Sidney Pollack is a. Sidney Pollock's amazing through this whole movie. He's incredible in every scene that he's in. Um, Sidney Pollock, when he came on, had a famous story that he told on Letterman. He said on David Letterman that he knew how long Kubrick shot, you know, 40 takes, 50 takes for one thing. Um, and he said he felt like he had a leg up because he was a director, so he thought he could win over Kubrick. His first shot was him greeting Tom Cruise at the door of the party. It was his first day of work. Three takes, moving on. He thought he had Kubrick in the back of his pocket he had it he got it next shot next shot not next scene next shot three days <laughs> uh, i'll say this so stanley kubrick was asked about the acting style in his movies and he asked do you consider i can't remember who was asking him so do you consider james cagney the greatest actor of all time or one of the greatest actors of all time and they said no and he said that's the difference between you and me he i don't think his interest 
has ever been in pure naturalism. Mm. And so that's not what he's looking for in a take. What's he looking for? I don't know. It's Stanley Kubrick. But there has been from Kirk Douglas on, certainly everything Peter Sellers did was brilliant and funny and weird and wild, but you really wouldn't call it natural. And so, no, naturalism, I don't really think was ever quite a goal. And so just like you're kind of asked to watch his movies with different eyes, you're sort of asked to accept the acting style. All right. That's going to be a little different from what you see. And and Jeff, I want to agree with you. I want to totally agree that, that I think Cruz is, he's so cruisy in that opening scene in the, in the at the party. I believe he was intentionally directed. He was almost, I mean, it, it, it was the most non-Dr. Bill Harford in that entire movie, in that party scene. I almost felt like he was directed to be Tom Cruise. He was, he was the celebrity doctor. He was the one everybody wanted to be, just laughing it up, big smiles, you know, the lady in each arm. It no, was like, this no, is- you're wrong. No, he was dry and flat. In the party I, scene? I mean, With the women? And talking to Nightingale? Just, yeah. I think I he's know. totally uncomfortable. I think that's the idea. I think he's uncomfortable too. No, I think that the idea is that this is not really Bill's world. They say right away, they don't know anyone there. This right. Is not, Bill keeps finding himself in places that aren't really his world. He's most comfortable with Nick Nightingale. Yes. He's most comfortable with the piano guy that dropped out of medical school. This is not really his world. He's out of place here. It's weird having the that's two girls. That's a good point. On on his arm, it's like oh, it's the fantasy. Tom Cruise got two girls on his arm. He doesn't know what to do. He's he's sort of playing. Bill is sort of playing the role of okay, I'm sexy guy. Where are we going from here, ladies? He doesn't yeah. know what to do. And so I disagree. I totally. I think I th- I think they are playing at this is a guy who's got it all. Look at this. He uh, uh, his. Uh, Sidney Pollock needs his help. He goes, he saves the day. This guy has everything. He's top of the world. And look how easy he is to tear down. Well, listen, I think both of you have got extremely valid points. I agree with Alec. I agree with you, Joel. I agree with Alec describing the scene. That, to me, makes more sense. Joel, you're absolutely right. He is kingpin of kingpin. He's richer than God. Um, I just don't like his acting personally in the opening scene. That's just me. I think he starts to find himself. And from what I've read, Kubrick didn't let him see any of the dailies. Like, so they really did not. I mean, unless they filmed this movie in sequential order, which I doubt they did. That's really hard as an actor. Like that's crazy to, 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 to create an arc of a performance, but he definitely started to, I really started to enjoy him later on in the film. Let's just get to the elephant in the room. I know we, it's like weird in this day and age to talk about this scene, but we can't not talk about the, 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 the orgy party. Now, if, I'm viewing this from a dream sequence. Well, then that makes more sense to me because that this sequence is absurd. I mean, right down to every single, you know, uh, uh, person who stands there and ushers all the ushers, the way they usher them in, in this insane sequence with the felt like we were in some kind of Roman church and the women derobe and they do the strange kiss and then they go off and bang. But it's a, you know, a crazy, crazy ritual. The, the the prelude with the religious implications to it is is fucking. But weird. I, I don't get. I don't get what you is. You, is the criticism that are are you stating a fact? Because the fact is that is a ritual that is completely bizarre to anyone who isn't involved in those rituals. No, Jeff's saying the fact is fact. the sex parties he goes to don't have that. 
<laughs> don't have that. That's where I thought he was going. That, they just go straight to the banging. <laughs> from from what we have, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to even broach that. Yeah, listen, we all we all live in a world where we don't know about the underbelly of the super rich, and yeah, it's crazy to fantasize that there's some. But you just keep using you use crazy as in it doesn't fit into the movie, or you're just like, oh, that's that's an interesting. I mean, I don't get. Is there a criticism here? Yeah, the criticism is, I don't fucking get this movie. This conversation doesn't make sense because the movie doesn't really make sense. It really doesn't. I bet Stanley Kubrick, if he edited this film differently, I bet he would add a completely different movie. There's so much takes here, and I think he pieced it together, and then he died. He said it was his top three. He said 2001, Barry Lyndon, and this. Now he only made What? The movies. Shining is a fucking perfect he movie. He died. I know. One week after he said to Warner Brothers, I'm showing you what is my final cut. He showed it yeah. to them, and then he died. It's like he died, and it wasn't finished. He said, it's done, done. Here you go, Warner Brothers. They saw it, Here's and what then we he all died. know. Old white men get a little crazy. He got a little crazy at the end, and he made this movie, and then he died. Okay? That, this is not very, his best film. very and this is useful. Not, that is a very useful <laughs> critique. This is not his top three. This is not. You know what? You, you know what a lot of people call this podcast? Old white men get crazy. <laughs> 40-year-old white men get crazy. Middle age. Uh, here's a critique of the movie, if I have to give one. Uh, Tom and uh, uh, Bill and his wife have sex uh, uh, in, in the scene where she's right, where you assume they do. She's in the mirror. She's naked. He comes up behind her. We right. fade to black. They have sex. I think that takes away from the power of the end of the movie when she says the next thing they have to do is have sex. That I feel like that they had sex in the middle of it. I feel like that seems that doesn't seem to fit into the story. I totally agree. I totally agree. In my mind, yeah. when I just rewatched this last night, I thought that they had the fight coming home from the party. I totally, I completely agree, Alec. Yeah. I thought that yeah. they had the fight immediately. I thought they'd come home, get stoned, and have the fight. Sure. Okay, so uh, wait a minute. We never, no one said anything, because you're right, because I didn't really ask any question about the orgy no, you sequence. You said the word crazy several times. So, yeah, it's a crazy sequence. Um, we yeah. did hear stories. We heard uh, stories that to make this movie R-rated, that they had to digitally put bodies in front of the sexual sex scenes. That is correct. Uh so I guess somewhere out there, there's an X-rated version no, no, that no. you can find. No, no, no. What? No, any any version, almost any version that you see now is the original. You have to go and look for the strange version that has these digital uh, guys in robes standing in front of the sex that's happening on screen. But if you, just I will go tell you, it, I bought it off of uh, Apple, <laughs> and Apple definitely has the theatrical version because there are strange creatures standing in front. So now I need to see. I bought it from Apple, and I'm just seeing them fuck. I don't see any sex. I don't see anything. I see a head. I see a head getting like moving back and forth. Sometimes it's covered. Sometimes it's not. Not the point. The answer is that yes, I. You think listen, that, you belong to the dark web. I don't. Okay. I think That's that yes. In a movie that is called Eyes Wide Shot, based on a book that is called Dream Story, that yes, you can look at this as the ultimate example of a wild dream. You would tell so. I was a big castle. There was a code word, and there were men in masks and cloaks. And yes, it is. It is. Uh, it, it is sex being thrown in his face. That seems to be like, oh, fun sex, prurient. This is this is the kind of thing you want to see. And then, boom. Everything's turned right back on him. He's meant to feel like an outsider, like uncomfortable, like he right. doesn't understand what's going on. And like, he's just got to get naked in front of everyone, right? That's the last thing that they say to him. So I'm supposed to not care that Nick Nightingale, father of four, <laughs> just out there trying to make a living, got murdered by what I assume is the mob. So, or did he not get murdered? Well, I don't. 
I don't think he had a good night. <laughs> well, so that goes to Sidney Pollock's speech, which is has switched from, because of something I read, and I was like, oh, Sidney Pollock's speech, which switched from, I thought, a, a mistake in the movie, which felt very much like the explanation. The pool, at the the end pool of, table sequence, is that what right. we're talking about? We're talking about this. So, so to the audience, at the end, he goes back to Sidney Pollock, who says, hey, I was there, and uh, none of this really happened the way you're seeing it. The girl, By the way, it's the, funny that you just tried to describe the scene to, to our listeners. If they haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're not. They've turned off a long fucking time ago. <laughs> um, but just like it's the explanation scene, just like at the end of Psycho, there's this explanation scene, and in Psycho, it's famously done be, badly because this, I believe the studio wanted it, and Hitchcock said, "Fine, here's the worst scene I've ever filmed," and it's this ridiculous explanation scene. In this, I took it that way too until a writer pointed out. Why are you believing anything Sidney Pollack says in this scene? Right. He keeps telling you, okay, now I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay, now I'm going to tell you the truth. Watch it again, realizing don't trust a single word that he says here. We have no idea. What the second time we see him, the first time we see him is with his wife just using like the most corporate hobnob thing, you know, uh, right. my elbow, uh, wait, what do you see my serve? It's not as much as my bill, you know, or whatever like that. And the next scene, we see him banging a girl who just, OD'd from a speedball. So yeah, don't trust, don't trust anything. Yeah. I, my, one of my big problems with this, one of my big problems with this movie, I'll believe everything. I'll believe everything. Let's say it's all real. Let's say it's all a dream. It doesn't matter. Nick Nightingale says, you got to have a mask. Tom Cruise goes and finds Nails the it. exact mask that blends in with the rest of the party. Nails it. If this were, if Jeff went to a nightclub and somebody said, hey, there's a mass sex party. You got to wear a mask. Jeff would show up dressed as the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you right now, my best friend, my buddy threw, my buddy for his 40th birthday, Colin, threw a Hawaiian-themed party everywhere. It said Hawaii. That, everything about it was Hawaiian. It said Hawaiian costume party. I'm sorry. That's what it was. My best buddy, who I've mentioned a few times on this cedar, just straight up missed the word Hawaiian, <laughs> showed up in boxing gear. His girl <laughs> showed up as Batgirl. I mean, Hawaiian everything. The, the, yeah. the cover of the thing <laughs> yep. said Hawaiian, the invite, the whole nine yards. No, he showed up in full-fledged MMA boxing gear. Yep. So, yes, you're 100% right. How did he know to get a cloak? I will tell you. How did he know to put on a tux? Oh, Alex got an answer, Joel. I'll tell you why. Because a guy that owns a, a costume store in New York that has those kind of costumes knows about this party or parties like it. Mm. He knows at this time of night on this day, if someone's coming in for a mask and a black cloak, it's for that party. I'll take it next. I loved that guy. Yeah, he's great. But I'm just saying somebody, I'm just saying somebody like Jeff would come and go, I don't care what you got. I'll, give me the incredible Hulk. I need Hulk. You're going to want to wear this Mr. Meacham. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want that Charlie Brown mask. No, no. <laughs> Do you have power Rangers? I want the red one. Okay, Jeff likes stupid things that don't mean anything. Here we go. Ready? Mandy. Mandy, the girl. So again, Mandy let is me do the... This. Well, Mandy's the prostitute. You. Okay, well, go let, ahead. That's what I'm going to tell you. So Mandy, she's called Mandy. She's the prostitute at the beginning. I'm sorry, she's the... Well, she's the girl at the beginning. Who ODs at the beginning. Who ODs. Who ODs, okay? At the very end of the movie, Amanda Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N, Amanda is the girl who is dead. Uh, and he sees the article about her that she was, uh, I guess, I think she's a prostitute, but, and that she's dead. Now, that is played by Julianne Davis. Excellent job, Julianne. Yes. Very yes. good. Now, what Sidney Pollack tells us is that the girl that saved him at the party is Mandy. 
Okay, so that would track. That the story would track, right? Right. He, Bill Bill saves Mandy her. Mandy recognizes him and says, "You're Mandy made, you're in." Saves yeah. her, saves him back, and then Mandy is killed or dies or whatever it is. The girl at the party is played by Abigail Good, played by a totally different actress. Now she's wearing a mask, so maybe it doesn't matter. But mysterious woman, as credited in IMDb and in the movie, is played by someone else. But wait. Her voice, if you guys just checked out the news, there was some cruise news, was done by Kate Blanchett. What? What? Jeff loves Wait, this thing. Okay, so I need it one more time. The girl that Pollock is having sex with the ODs in the bathroom is the girl that dies at the end. Almost assuredly, though I will tell you, I did screen freezes, and it's really hard to prove that by looking at their faces, because she looks very, very dead. They're both naked, so there are some things you could kind of look at to see, but it's really hard to kind of lock that in. But yes, story-wise, they are the same person. Because you're confusing me. There, there was, there's never been a doubt in my mind that... that it's confusing. Mandy, the girl who ODs at the beginning, is the one who saves him at the party and is the one who sacrifices her life to save him. And they, the mob or rich, you know, mafia And I her. believe story-wise, that's what we're meant to understand. There's just a little bit of confusion because of different actors playing these roles and Why? Why would they have cast somebody else? I don't understand. If someone would like to write in and explain it all really clearly, don't give us one of these half explanations. Wow, this is fun. See? This is fun. It's, I, I, it's more fun for Jeff than the movie, as I realized that. Yeah. She should have had like like a like a tattoo or a birthmark or something, just to fucking clear yeah, it up yeah. for idiots like yeah. us. Listen, I, I do view my love for movies a strong it's 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 it leans more towards me wanting to these films to be rewatchable i like movies that i can just rewatch over and over again that is my mo with movies for the most part Good. eyes wide shut does not fit that mold for me i do it, not it's often so interesting watch it it's so interesting because it's about rewatching it for a totally different reason yeah. that's true yes yes you're, yeah. you're rewatching cobra no, I'm done with Cobra. Let's go to Days of Thunder. <laughs> okay. You're, oh God. You're no, let's go to Over of... the Top. Cl cliffhanger, cliffhanger, Alex. <laughs> let's go to Cliffhanger. Okay, God, because God, that you... opening sequence. Woo! If Cliffhanger's on TBS and Eyes Wide Shut is at AMC, which channel do you think Jeff is tuning into? All day. TNT Instant Classic, people. All day. <laughs> well, I did say TBS. But all day. Company. Plus, I don't have AMC anymore because I got the skinny bundle, <laughs> you know, because I'm done with all those extra channels. So <laughs> this is fun stuff. Still don't care, but it's fun stuff. Yeah, okay. So sure, sure. Stanley Kubrick, uh, you both. Oh, I'm sorry. So who put this in there? Oh, Stanley put it in his top three. Uh, let's just end this with is this isn't your favorite Stanley Kubrick film, is it? It is not. It is not. What's your favorite Stanley Kubrick film? 2001. Joel. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go Jesus again. Christ. Jesus Christ. It's talk. So this thing's a Joel think again. Well, you can take that out. You can take it out. A clockwork orange, motherfucker. <laughs> but I also like it when you get mad. So it's really fun. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. I paused for two seconds. How dare I? You Han take all the time. Honda's knocking our door down to get to the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, I think we all want to hear. I get to answer this. I'm saying, I'm going to fucking ask it. Oh. I'm just going to say, Jeff, I think the world wants nothing more yeah. than dear Jeff Meacham. Just talk about this movie for like, give us three and a half minutes. What does this movie mean? What does it mean to you? What do you think about Eyes Wide Shut? 
Well, we can't not talk about Eyes Wide Shut without talking about this Stanley Kubrick fella, right? Where everybody loses their mind over some movie where monkeys are dancing around a monolith, where some old British people are having sad scenes and dead kids around candlelight, uh, where some guy wearing makeup on one eye has maybe the most horrific scene of all time and people like that movie. Uh oh, St- Full Metal Jacket. That's a fun one well, to watch. I don't care for his movies. How about The Shining? I don't, Jeff, I think The Shining is easily his best movie. Uh, you, and you know what? I'm gonna I change. I'm actually gonna change. I I forgot The Shining. I I in terms of rewatchability, The Shining. The Shining is my favorite. Jeff, I think you called The Shining a perfect movie, and I want you to name other filmmakers that have a perfect movie. To have one perfect movie, hey, you only need one perfect anything to have led a pretty good life. Every filmmaker, every great filmmaker has one perfect movie, and I would like to immediately just bring you over to Michael Bay's Transformers 2. Okay? (laughs) he nailed that. Perfect. We interrupted you. Please keep talking about Eyes Wide Shut. Thank you. So, I went through a period of time where I was like, I'm going to watch all the great movies. I will say when I watched Barry Lyndon, I have never loved a sequence more than the deathbed sequence towards the end. It is some of the best acting I've ever seen before, but I don't care for this movie. I probably won't won't watch this movie again for a very long period of time after this discussion. So it doesn't really mean a lot to me. I just, you know, I don't always like to be uncomfortable and this movie makes me uncomfortable. It's, Mm. you know, uh, I don't know. I and then I remember I remember even the first time seeing it. I still do remember when she said that final line when she's like, well, then we need to go home and fuck or whatever that line is. I was like and then a movie ended. I was like, that's it in a, in a kid store in, in, in a, a kid, kid store. store while his little daughter's just running around. Isn't it amazing that in a movie that people think is too long and slow, so many people's criticism is the last line happened and then what? It's just over. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You want more. I love it. Jeff loves Eyes Wide Shut. He just wants more. No, I don't. (laughs) And now, commercials. And now we rejoin our interview with Vanessa Shaw, who played the role of Domino in Eyes Wide Shut. When we last left, I might have been feeling a little impatient to hear more about my hero, the greatest movie star of all time, the man who gives me hope in a dark world, Tom Cruise. Instead, she kept talking about Stanley Kubrick this and Stanley Kubrick that and how he changed my life for the better. So, as you'll see, I'm uh, I'm going to come into this a little hot. What else? What else do you want to know? Like, You've said nothing. You talked about him walking. He came into a room and you said he sat next to you. And now we're back talking about fucking Kubrick. I want to know what was it like working with Tom Cruise on the meeting Tom Cruise podcast? I'm, I'm always curious what what you know, we, we hear the stories about, you know, rehearsing and meeting with him and everything like that. What what was he like, especially in this movie, which is so fucking cerebral and and, and interior, what was he like between cut and the next action? What did he talk? Did he what did he go back to his chair? Was he what what oh would my happen? God. I think honestly, he would exit stage left. Like basically mm-hmm. after every take that took a million years. Yep. He'd be like, Okay, gotta go. And just like basically probably go for a run or something outside of the studio. I don't know what he did, but like jump roping we hear. You know, We've heard a lot about jump roping. He, he basically there was zero action in this movie. So I think he probably wanted to do something to keep his brain going and all that stuff. You mean, amazing. And he had so much energy. So I feel like I probably should have done something like that too. Like I just was falling asleep sometimes in the warm studio, you know, and actually the, the crew would fall asleep. Everyone was like, 
how much longer is this going to take? People reading newspapers, like in our rehearsal time, you know, we we rehearsed four days in a row. And you still did 69 takes. What do you rehearse for four days? That's insane. <laughs> I know. Basically, it started from looking at the page, then talking about it. And then three o'clock would come and Stanley would go, OK, that's enough. Next day, same thing. And finally, we get it on our feet. Then the next day would be on basically on video at the time because, you know, it was still film uh, that people shot on. So they did, you know, a rehearsal with video. And then finally, we shot the scene. All during that time, we were just chatting about life. Okay, here cool. we go. Here Jeff's we go. Face. This is what if we're going to ask you. If Jeff, if, Jeff, if Jeff had the fortune of being cast in a Stanley Kubrick movie, Vanessa, because he's not a real actor like you, he, he would have been the only <laughs> actor in, in the history of cinema to have quit, quit. a Stanley Kubrick movie because he would have been like, quit. Stan, you're great. This is awesome. I, just, I don't have the attention span, buddy. I got to go. I got to go. I would have been out. I know. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. I mean, I hear, this is what Tom Cruise sounds like. How did he do it? You know, it was grueling. A lot of people left. Um, it was a grueling. Nicole Kidman left. I just heard her on another podcast say she just would leave for weeks at a time and Stanley wouldn't even know it. <laughs> she would leave and she would go to Paris. She told me one time she was like, yeah, I was in Paris last weekend. Uh, fun, you know, obviously Paris is close to England. Vanessa. It was just, you know, don't do it. Tell Jeff. us stories about Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> okay, okay. What's your what's either or not together or whatever. But you just said she told me. But right now we've spent fucking 20 minutes talking about this slow ass <laughs> process with this old man director. And meanwhile, you're hanging out with two of the most famous movie stars in the world. And you've said nothing other than he would leave I'm, and take I'm, a run. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've never been this interested in my life, Jeff. Oh, ever. I've never been more mad at a guest. <laughs> <laughs> the old man. Okay, let me let me tell you more about Tom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're just having a natural conversation. It goes off, and I. It's go not natural. Oh, it's a podcast. You're being recorded. <laughs> Jeff okay? controls everything, and and if it doesn't interest him, he's out. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. I get it though. I really do. I, I, I understand. So here I'll go sure. back at the time when I was, was, was shooting, we had, you know, basically a caterer that came and gave us food that I really was having a hard time eating because everything had butter on it before anything else. And I was just like, <laughs> can I just have a sandwich that's plain without butter? Um, what was your life for lunch, me love? Butter sandwich. <laughs> Exactly. They're like, without butter. What kind of sandwich is that? And I'm like, um, okay, I just never mind. And then I wouldn't eat. And then Tom noticed, you know, that I didn't eat. He was basically like, how was your lunch? And, you know, being friendly after we would have our lunch breaks. And I said, you know, it was kind of not great. I'm just being honest. I didn't really eat. And then he went, you didn't eat. And I just, I said, I ate a little bit. I mean, I'm not starving myself. And he's, he just kind of looked thoughtfully and just smiled at me. And then lo and behold, yeah. the next day there was, was food at my door of my dressing room <laughs> wrapped nicely. My mom was there at the time. One for me, one for her oh with no note on it, nothing. And I, I literally opened the door and I was like looking for someone and I was like, who's this? you know, found someone and said, who's, who, who, who left this? Who is it? Who is this? And they said, Oh, it's Tom. Tom's chef made you both some lunch. We heard you didn't really eat yesterday. And so we wanted to make sure you were healthy and 
had a good meal. It was the most delicious meal ever. Of course it was. Of course it was, Vanessa. I found him afterwards. I said, thank you so much. He said, no problem. No problem. Just want to make sure you're okay. And I said, thank you so much. It was delicious. I just, I can't even believe your, your, your kindness is unprecedented before. Honestly, I've never had anybody do that for me. <laughs> so then the following day it was still there. And I was like, Tom, it's okay. You don't have to do it again. He's like, nope. And then every day thereafter, oh. there was food at my door. Oh my God. Was that so hard, Vanessa? <laughs> Was that so hard? That's a wonderful story. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. That's exactly what this podcast is about. But please, but please tell me more about the shutter release that he had on the camera. Okay, stop, Jeff. And stop. What he, and how he got that glow in the background in your scene with the Christmas lights, which, by the way, was really cool. Tell me more about him telling you all about making Lolita and Barry Lennon. Tell us those boring stories. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. I really do. You know, there's that that kissing scene I had to do. Go on. Go, go on. It's go time. No one talk. And that, of course, in classic Kubrick fashion, was done 45 times. There it is. What? Wow. And that's a lingering kiss too. Yeah. And that's it's a lingering kiss. And by the time I was doing it, my neck was hurting so badly because I kept having to lean over like this 45 times and being very still. And I felt like my lip was quivering and all of this stuff. And I was just like, oh, my God. And so basically part of me leaning in and leaning in for a kiss for that long was because I needed to get some balance. <laughs> <laughs> Tom was just so sweet every time. He's like, he's like, all right, how's your neck? Is your neck okay? And I'm like, I know. I need to like obviously warm up before kissing you jesus um and yeah he had a laugh and then stanley went and grabbed me afterward and finally when we were finished and was like you really enjoyed that i'm like no i didn't not as much as you think i did i'm in physical pain and i'm like man that that guy is is like it's just so i mean basically the kiss was fresh every time and he wasn't like stale or anything um and it's just was such it's like Jeff smiling and crying at the same time. Nothing is stale about Tom Cruise. It's all fresh. <laughs> exactly. It was like fresh every time. Well, I'll just say that I'll just say one thing I love about the the scene that you have is that you start out as the one in charge, right? You're the confident one. You walk up to him, you have a job to do, and you, you your character is playing the character, right? You're, the, the, you're, you're, you're getting the John and you, you get him in and you're, you're doing all you can to just get him in there lightly. And then as it goes through, it changes a little bit where he is legitimately amusing you and your domino is, is a little awkward that, oh, this guy's kind of, funny and 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 he's awkward and then you you get confident again once you're in bed and you're taking over again but then after he gets the phone call it's really lovely that it feels like oh you two don't get to have your moment but he wants to pay you anyway and he's legit a lot happens yeah. in seven minutes it's and true. i just think you do a just a fantastic job throughout and thinking about how Subtle and natural it is and thinking natural this thing you probably did a total of 400 times <laughs> over the course of God knows how many days or weeks. Um, oh, there's no question there. Thank you. <laughs> that whole thing was not a question. That was just you saying good job. Jeff. Jeff wasn't even looking at anything on the screen. His, he was off here because he, he, he didn't hear the words Tom Cruise. Nope. And so he was okay, off here. Here. So what was it like doing that with Tom Cruise, Vanessa? 
All right. That was easy. And Jeff's back. (laughs) (laughs) Was there anything to the fact that this is Tom Cruise, right? Could you get past that? Is that what doing 60 takes does? Gets you past this is Tom Cruise. This is Stanley Kubrick. I'm making what is going to be a huge movie because it's a tiny little scene. How do you get to that, to those moments? Basically, Stanley and Tom were so much fun. Like, I know you think that Stanley was an old man and Tom was the young no, buck. No, but, no, no. Jeff um, thinks Stan was an old Jeff, man. Let's, let's, Jeff let's, does. you know. She said it, not me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they both had such a wry sense of humor. Uh, Tom just made so much, like, fun of me in my, like, you know, woolen hat and coat. And he's like, you're like Dr. Shivago. And then he's like <laughs> a Russian dance, you know, and like make fun of me and I, you know, I felt like it was like, just like working with family or something. It was mm. just, we'd have so many laughs, you know, in between our very serious moments. Can I ask, like, like when you say you did 45 takes of that shot and 69 of the first, like that's not across one day, is it? Oh yeah. That was my question. Yeah. Maybe one day would be a lot of those, like the, the multiple takes, but you would fit, you would fit 40, 50, 60, 70 shots into one day. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. It was one day of a one shot. So like, you know, the shot of coming into the apartment, that was one shot. So, and, and, you know, again, it was midnight before I found out it was like 69 takes, (laughs) that one shot, you know, other shots would be quicker. Interestingly enough, you know, I was there for two months, but for the opening scene, the one that, um, opening shot where, you know, I come out and ask him if he wants to have a little fun. Going anywhere special? No, I'm just just taking a walk. How'd you like to have a little fun? That whole sequence only took three days, um, which I was there for three weeks waiting to shoot. And was that a set or was that on location somewhere? No, that was a set. It was. And it was right outside on Pinewood Studios. He recreated New York City streets. Mm. Although I made fun of Stanley and I said, you know, in New York, they don't have phone booths that say phone anymore it says like 9x or whatever and he's like oh really mm. you know <laughs> such a darn note-all i was he's like stanley's like you realize i have to reshoot the entire movie now thank you vanessa for pointing that out yeah, to me yeah, that's going yeah, to yeah. kill me yeah or he was just like you know don't you think i already thought of that is this 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 part of the movie even really real or is this whole movie real like Ooh. yeah We'll be right back with Vanessa not telling us stories about Tom Cruise. And we're back with Vanessa Shaw. That's with an I. Uh, Vanessa, you literally just said in that little break right there, you have more Tom Cruise stories. For the love of all things Tom Cruise, <laughs> please. <laughs> yes, you were, you were talking about how Mission Impossible 2 came out. And I think at the time Mission Impossible had was in the movie theaters or just had been in movie theaters oh yeah wait 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 but so that's my that is a question what year did you start doing this is this like 97 i think it was christmas yeah uh yeah 97 well jeff you and i met in the summer in 99 it was coming out like 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 we that's exactly yeah we met in england we were studying together a british american drama academy in the summer of 99 when eyes wide shut came out so yeah so mission mission impossible had just come out and i'm said i said oh man i'm so sorry i didn't see that move and he's like flashed his grin and he said i think we did okay without you vanessa (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh snap (laughs) that's good (laughs) tommy tommy (laughs) 
it's so good. He can just take the piss out of himself. It's just yeah. great. You know, and then, you know, he makes fun of himself. He's like, you know, I, I said, what are you guys going to do for Christmas and what what kind of gifts? Um, and he's like, I think I'm going to get uh, Nicole a, a G4. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, well, she gave me one last year. So, you know, maybe I should give her I'm one. sorry. It's a car. It's a plane. It's, the, it's a plane, like G6, G4. Holy shit. Because it's also a type of computer. So first I'm thinking, he's buying yes. her a Mac. A G4, like, oh, no, it's a car. Oh, no, it's a fucking airplane. He bought her a plane, and she bought him a plane? She bought him yes. a plane the year They had before. a his I and hers plane. They think they had a his and hers plane, if I can remember correctly. Jeff, what'd you get your wife for Mother's Day? <laughs> I wasn't here. I left. I literally so left. So the answer is nothing. I left. You know what I got her? To be single for two weeks while I was in go. Mexico. There you go. What a that's, what, that's what my what wife got romantic. for Mother's Day. God, nobody can say you don't try. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I just, my my jaw was on the floor. And he's laughing. He knew what, he just loved to tease me about all of his, like, his ability to be Tom Cruise, you know? But you met Nicole. I met Nicole because um, we, because of the budget and just, you know, how small the production was, we all used the same makeup and hair person. Um, wow. So I was wow. talking with her and chatting with her um, in between. And, you know, she would tell me about Paris, like I said, and saying that she had so much fun because she just wore a wig and went out in Paris and nobody knew who she was. And she just had nice. fun and danced on that. I'm like, that just sounds amazing. That's you- so cool. Yeah. Vanessa, do you get the coconut cake? <gasps> I am very jealous. I heard <gasps> on your podcast about the coconut cake <gasps> and I have never received one. Well, let me say this oh. much. Probably the reason why you haven't, because I've done a lot of research, just make oh, you boy. feel better. I don't think the coconut cake started until uh, like 2005. Okay. Oh, okay. There you right? go. So I know some people do that are previous to you for, for you know, I, I think... Um, uh, what's her face that played the little girl in interview with the vampire? Why am I forgetting her name? That Kirsten actress, Dunst. Oh, um, Kirst- yeah, Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. Yeah, she gets it. But I think he learned about the cake in like '05, so it's been more people. More people are getting it now than than people that were in films with him in the '90s. Well, I get you know a retroactive cake. <laughs> so. We'll get you one. We'll send you one. <laughs> so Vanessa, you and I met one time. Uh, we, we, uh, you, we, I know you. You're here through our my friend Joel Viertel, and from him through our friend George Kenyon. And uh, there was a Stanley Kubrick marathon, if you remember, at the Arrow, no, at the Egyptian Theater, maybe between ten and fifteen years ago. And uh, I went every day. There better be a question. And you came to one. I can't remember if you were if it was the Eyes Wide Shut one or another one. I don't know if you remember that, but my question is, have, when did when was the first time you saw the film? Mm. Was it then? What do you think of it? What do you think of yourself? Do you like watching yourself on screen? That's a great question. Thank you. Thank you. Well, well, great question. You don't have to answer it. We're just we're just talking about how good the questions are. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw it was the actual premiere in Westwood, and that was like a huge hubbub of a premiere like I saw my idol, Jodie Foster, there at the mm. time, you know, because she was a child actress and, you know, went to school. And I just was basically in awe of her. And she was literally in front of me on the red carpet. Wow. Tom and Nicole were there. I'm like, this is my first red carpet. And I, it's this movie, you know, um, <laughs> I, I don't remember. A, I don't remember a movie release in my lifetime having more publicity around a bit just because of 
the death of Stanley Kubrick right before it it was released and and it was just and and it being his last movie and you know it's starring you know the, Vanessa Shaw you know, Mr. and Mrs. Hollywood and just I mean it was just like there was so much publicity behind it it was it was it was the it was the eye of the storm it really was when when, mm, when it came out well played well said eye of the storm just like I can we get back to her talking about the uh going to the premiere yes basically was the first time watching that movie Gosh, it was so fascinating because I I felt like I needed to watch it all over again because I'm used to, you know, watching like American movies like that. Basically, you know, within 20 minutes of the, the movie's running time, this happens and that happens the first act or whatever. And I just felt like I wanted to watch it all over again. Like I felt like it was an experience versus an actual normal movie. Yes. And I was only 20 years old and basically didn't you know, hadn't experienced anything like that. You know, I'd seen some art films, but that basically felt like I needed to just get my brain out of the way and watch it all over again. And that's what I heard from uh, Jan Harlan um, saying that Tom and Nicole needed to watch it over again. Like you basically are like, what did I just see? You know, um, over the years, have you watched it repeatedly? No, I have not watched it in like maybe 15 years. Oh my God. I need to watch it. I will say that as I get older, I think we're the same age. I saw it when I was in my early 20s. I It's only gotten better every time I watch it. He felt it was his best movie. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, at the time when it was released, we were talking about the premiere and like, you know, the promotion of it and basically everyone, you know, waiting with bated breath for Eyes Wide Shut to come out. Because basically the only promotion we did, um, the only thing we could say was that it was a movie about jealousy and secrecy and sexual obsession. And people were like wanting to know what that was. And I don't think they wanted it to be about relationships. <laughs> I think they just wanted right. it to be like some crazy fun movie about sexual obsession and jealousy, but it's basically about a relationship between a you know, married couple. And yeah. I just, I literally, the best part about the movies when I first watched it was like, I laughed out loud when you know, at the end, she basically says, we just need to fuck. Like, yeah, just, what an ending. This is so genius. Who can <laughs> end a movie like that? In, in a toy store. In a toy store. In a, in a toy store. <laughs> in a toy, what? They're in a toy store. That's where they are. It's toy store. That's right. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. 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 Fuck. And I think that's why it gets better as we get older, as you get, we're all married and yeah. it's about a couple that's married and what they're going through. And it's, it's not about an orgy scene in the middle. That's just the fun part. Yeah. There's, you know, it's, it's about something that you might not connect to until you're much older. And unlike most of us, not Jeff, our patience stretches as we get older. And this movie requires that. I think so too. I, I can't wait to see it again with being older and, and having more years behind me. Um, Please, I, I, I want yeah. you to come back after you watch it because I'm so interested. I'm so interested to see your take on it. 15 yeah. years later, I know. It, let's I, all, Vanessa. Let's all screen it together. We're all vaccinated, right? Let's let's <laughs> later this summer. Jeff, you really want to see this movie? It's got Tom Cruise in it. He wants to see it. Me? Oh no, no. I'm yeah. just saying. I'm just saying. That's never. <laughs> that's never going to happen. We're never meeting again after this. This is this. This was it. <laughs> <laughs> this relationship is over. We know. Can I ask? I know it's not about Tom Cruise, Jeff, but when you heard about, when did you hear about Stanley dying? Oh, yeah. Mm, I 
I actually just heard, um, I think I, I heard the news and then actually, interestingly enough, I was, um, dating Oliver Hudson at the time and Kate Hudson called me and she said, I heard that Stanley died and I know how close you were to him. And I just thought that was such a moving thing. Um, so she was the first person to call me of all people. <laughs> like, um, and, um, so, you know, people around me knew how much he meant to me. I mean, he was like a mentor to me. I could cry right now. I know this is not this podcast, um, but, uh, you know, he basically took me under his wing and said, you know, I believe in you. He took me aside one time and like basically behind the set and said, you know, you're really good. And I just went, no, Stanley, it's because of you. And he said, no, I mean it. You're really good. And I think you should continue acting. I know you were saying you may want to go to school for something else, but I think you should continue to do this. And I had been thinking about quitting because I just, I didn't experience anything um, as of late. I had, you know, the movies I did, like Ladybugs and Hocus Pocus, which were so amazing for me. They were like real fun movies. But once you turn 18, it's harder. It just becomes a kind of uh, the floodgates open in terms of opportunities and different actors coming into the, you know, the fields. And so I was trying to figure out where I was landing with all of it. And he just gave me courage again to really fight for it and continue. And I just was stunned in that moment and really thought about it and told him, I, I said, okay, I'm going to continue and, and do this. Um, so when I heard the news, I was floored and basically felt like, you know, I mean, this is just to be honest, he said this, it's, I'm not tooting my own horn, mm -hmm. but he's like, you know, if you ever need a recommendation, just, mm -hmm. you know, have someone call me. And I just was like, this is the beginning of me beginning all over again as an, mm -hmm. as a, a woman, you know, not just a kid actor, but, you know, like a, an adult actor. And then he left my world and basically I had to just do it all on my own. Um, and was just like, I am going to do it and I'm going to do it for him, you know? So it was this really sad, but amazing turning point for me. All right. That's awesome. All right. I <laughs> <laughs> fine. Fine. That's awesome. I got nothing. Full stop. A, yeah. See, someone old can really help you along the uh, way. <laughs> fine. <laughs> well, that's okay. Jeff, Tom Cruise is pretty old. No, he's not. He's ageless. And he's a vampire. No, no, Vanessa, I promise you, no no director at the end of their career is ever going to turn to Jeff. No director at the end of their career is ever going to turn to Jeff and see if you ever need a recommendation. Don't call me. That's. <laughs> Do you know how much you cost this production? <laughs> we went over every single day because you didn't know your lines. I am a saint on set, Vanessa. Do not listen to them. But what an experience. This is so unique. This is so, this is the, this is the thing about Eyes Wide Shut because I'm still, I, I, I don't, I, you know, the, the truth is when I first saw it, I was like, what? But I was 20 when that movie came out, you know? And so yeah. now as a 42 year old man watching it again recently, I'm, I'm blown away and I want to go back and watch all of his movies again. But what an absolute experience to be on set with these actors, these Titans. What an experience for you. Yeah. yeah I, 
again, I literally decided to move forward with being an actor. I, I learned how to be in the moment. I learned it was basically like doing a play and acting class all at once for me as a young actor. And it was the most incredible experience that is rooted deep in my life now forever. Before we go, we also got a chance to speak with a woman who joined Vanessa on set with Tom Cruise and Stanley Kubrick. She's an actor herself and at the time was manager to Vanessa Shaw. She was also, actually still is, Vanessa's mother. Her name is Susan DeMonte. And first, she remembered meeting Cruise on set. He was so cheerful. I mean, you know, he's got that, <laughs> nice to meet you, I'm Tom Cruise. You know, and we're like... <laughs> Yeah, we know who you are. You know, it's like you don't have to say your last name. Um, and just, you know, thanking me for supporting Vanessa, being there for her. And uh, he was just so welcoming and kind and enthusiastic. And, you know, it's kind of like you, when you meet him, you think, is this real? Because this just seems like it's kind of over the top, you know, and you're kind of like, Okay, he can't really like me this much since he just like you know just met me. <laughs> you know? During the early part of the shooting, Susan was sitting in the sound booth and says she would work with Vanessa as an acting coach, as she had been doing for many years. Well, Kubrick runs a very very tight set with an extremely small crew, and one day Susan was told that only crew could be on set and that she would have to leave. That may have been something of a misunderstanding. So here she's telling us about a memorable call she received the next day. The next day, my we we had a day off. I think it was the next day, but it doesn't matter. Um, and my phone rings in the hotel, and I'm like, you know, scram. I was so exhausted. I'm you know waking up and I, I answer the phone and I said, "Hello, hi, Susan. It's Stanley." And I'm like, <laughs> "Hello, Stanley." <laughs> And he says, I really want to apologize, um, you know, about, but, you know, we have rules on the set and, you know, I'm sorry about how you were treated, that you were asked to leave. And, and I said, well, you know, I'm just used to being there. I, you know, I'm a, I feel like I'm a crew member, you know, and he said, I, I, I really apologize. But he said, I want you to know you as an acting coach have done amazing work with your daughter. She, she could be what Marilyn Monroe was you know could have been but Marilyn depended on her acting coach and didn't battle it out with her directors and I really want to see Vanessa do that and he you know had told her this too so that was kind of the catalyst for Vanessa to be thinking you know I gotta I gotta separate you know from from Susan from my mom and finally we asked Susan if she had one more cruise story for us you know when we went to the premiere, thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. My mom, I got to take my mom, thousands of people at the, you know, at this theater. Um, and he came up to me, Susan, so great to see you. And he remembered your first name. Of course he did. Of course he did. And I said, please, which I was coming out, you know, I was coming to try to see him. Um, so I was in his vicinity and then he turned around and saw me and he said, I said, I, would you please, you know, say hello to my mom? And he did. And then we have a picture 
of him. Of you and Tom's mom? No, 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 her mom. Her mom. Tom and her mom. Come on, Joel. My mother, Marjorie. I brought her to the, you know, to the premiere. We're back in the premiere, buddy. You and your mom. Joel, did you think that Susan asked Tom if Susan can meet Tom's mother? Is that what you think she just said? And as we come to the end of our Kubrickian length deep dive into Stanley Kubrick's eyes wide shut, we rejoin our credit sequence, pondering password protected sex parties. As you may recall in the film, Bill Harford, played by our own Tom Cruise, is caught intruding into the soiree. The man in red asks for the password, and Bill says, Fidelio. And then this happens. That's right, sir. That is the password. For admittance. But may I ask, what is the password for the house? I'm sorry, I I seem to have forgotten it. But soon, of course, Bill learns that there was no second password. The oldest trick in the book. What if he was just like in the movie, he was just like, yeah, you know, I knew that. That's why I didn't know. Because I did think of that when I watched it again. If he was just like, I I know, I know, I'm confused. That's why I'm confused because there wasn't a second password. So I'm on the same page with you guys. Can I go back? (laughs) And with that. Meeting Tom Cruise is hosted by Jeff Meacham, Joel Johnstone, and me, Alec Lev. It's also produced by the same Alec Lev. But what's the second password? I, I don't I don't know. Psych! We never got the second password, right? They, they they never said what the second password was? There is no, there is no second password. It's literally like psych. Our executive producers are Doug Matica and Dan Patrick. Oh, I got it. I got it. I know what the password is. I know what the password is. Your mama! Oh! Our engineer and mixer is Alex Reeves for Point of Blue Studios. Editing by Alec Lev with additional editing by Alex Reeves. Oh, I know what the password is. Not. Our music is by H. Scott Salinas and Matthew Atticus Berger. Artwork by Rebecca Montoya. Executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. I know what the password is. I know what the password is. Snap! (laughs) Wow, guess what the password is. Psych! We are a production of Meeting So-and-So in association with Workhouse Media. I got the password. I got the password. I'm rubbing your glue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know the password. It's burn. Find us online at Meeting Cruise on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our website and show notes at meetingtomcruise.com. And you can email us at contact at meetingtomcruise.com. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Five stars are much appreciated. And write a review. It really helps people to find the show, and we just might read it on the air. Meeting Tom Cruise was created by Jeff Meacham and Alec Lev. Meeting Tom Cruise is a production of the Dan Patrick Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Fidelio.